Honestly, Bilal is an essential resource for any medical student interested in ophthalmology today. Hearing the personal stories of leaders in the ophthalmology field has made the community seem much more close and personal, particularly in these COVID times. I'm always excited to learn more about my future colleagues and to hear about their journeys and the diversity that exists within the ophthalmology community. It's helped make ophthalmology much more relatable and much more achievable because it's helped me see what it takes to get there. That's Ian Seddon. Ian is a third year medical student at Nova in Fort Lauderdale, and he's interested in ophthalmology. Thanks for listening, Ian. Okay, everybody, welcome to Honestly Bilal. I'm your host, Bilal Ahmed, and I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Toledo. This is Honestly Bilal, the show for the aspiring ophthalmologists, where I talk to medical students interested in ophthalmology. I talk to uh, residents, residents who are training in ophthalmology. And sometimes, if I'm lucky, I talk to current ophthalmologists in the field. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Priya Gupta. Dr. Gupta is an associate professor of ophthalmology at Duke University. She's a cornea and external disease specialist with the expertise in dry eye disease, cataract surgery, and cornea transplant. She is a co-author of multiple textbook chapters and published articles. Thanks for joining me. It's an honor to be with you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So kind of take us back from the very beginning. So why ophthalmology? What, what drew you to ophthalmology? And why did you, and how did you kind of find your expertise and, and niche in dry eye disease? Um, well, those are all such great questions. Um, I sort of fell into ophthalmology. Um, I, I, you know, didn't know much about ophthalmology until I was actually um, a medical student. And um, I ended up doing a summer research in um, the lab of Dr. Angelo Tana at Northwestern. And, and he really became a mentor for me um, within ophthalmology, exposed me to a, a whole lot of um, glaucoma and um, things that, you know, just helped me um, kind of see what the field really is about. Ophthalmology is one of those fields where um, unless you maybe have a family member or someone you know that kind of introduces you to it early, um, you right. might not really get a lot of experience in medical school. And so um, I was lucky to have that research uh, opportunity. And, you know, what I really love about ophthalmology, and I think I always knew going into med school, um, I wanted to do something where I could do surgery because I like mm -hmm. operating. I like um you know, being challenged in those ways. But I really love patients. I love seeing sure. people and I love the opportunity to see them over time and not just see them, you know, for a single transaction necessarily. And I think, sure. you know, the parts about my career that I love today are that, you know, I see uh, someone for cataract surgery and then I see their uh, grandson for LASIK and then- right. I see their mom for dry eye and then, you know, like it, it's just a-, a, a a forever loop that keeps giving back. And I think sure, um, sure. finding that personally rewarding, uh, you know, knowing that I find that rewarding, I think really helped me to kind of narrow down some of the fields because there's so many surgical subspecialties out there, right? I mean, just I think making that decision as a medical student is so hard because you're often influenced by, you know, people you meet or see along the way. I thought I wanted to do OB or urology for a little while. And I was like, these people are so great. Like, you know, they're, you know, they're all into things and, um, and, you know, have lots of 
friends that are in those fields. My mom's an OB-GYN, <laughs> but um, you know, the, the choice of ophthalmology, I think, you know, I've never looked back and said, oh gosh, I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> sure, sure. And then, and then obviously you, you did your fellowship in, in coronary and external disease, and then you're very, very world renowned for dry eye disease is something that you've uh, published on and you've written extensively about. So kind of take us through how that developed, developed as sort of your niche and, and you found that, you know, a little pocket of something that you became very interested in. Absolutely. You know, I don't know that many of us really know what we're going to specialize in, you know, or subspecialize. And so um, when I joined the faculty at Duke University, this is um, not quite a decade ago. (laughs) Sounds weird to say that. You know, when you're in an academic institution, everybody, um, you know, even though you might have a common skill set, everybody sort of develops their own clinical or research interest, really. Um, uh, As part of my fellowship, I actually, um, when I was working with Dave Harden, we sort of took on learning about um, IPL to treat MGD. And so that was, you know, something that was new, interesting, and um, wasn't something that was uh, really being offered um, at Duke. There really was no one seeing dry eye patients. And so, you know, I, I, I took it on and said, hey, if I don't like it, I can always change it. And I think you know, that's kind of the scary thing when you're starting off, you wonder like, oh my gosh, am I going to like it? Am I not going to like it? Is sure. it going to fail? And I think that, you know, some of the the best advice looking back is just try things, you know, it, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with trying it. And if you don't like it, you can pivot and, and develop something else. Sure. Um, and one thing that, you know, when you're starting out your career, your first few years um, in practice, you have so mm-hmm. much time and you just don't realize it, you know, um, it takes time to build up a clinical practice. And as a result, you have a lot of extra time. And I think that, you know, for me, what was so valuable was that I took that time to, you know, maybe take advantage of opportunity. Hey, um, you know, write this paper. Hey, let's do this sure. research study. Um, you know, and I, I might've been more hands-on and, and, you know, doing a lot of the work for it, but I had the time and, and that really, um, you know, when I look at like, why, why are people that I respect successful? You know, it's sure. really fundamentally because they are there believing what they're doing, um, you know, and they're doing the hard work. They're, they're mm-hmm. producing some of the science behind it. They're helping to shape industry. And, you know, ultimately just being really true to yourself and true to, um, you know, what it is that you say and, and, and how you share that information is so important. Absolutely. And you, you kind of touched on how when there was a it was an opportunity or a pocket of a of a of a chance for you to kind of develop something that people were looking for in that niche at, during that time at Duke, you kind of just jumped in and, and went headfirst into it. And I'm sure that was kind of a little bit fear inducing, a little bit of anxiety provoking. So how did your grit and persistence kind of carry you through that journey? And, and how, what did you develop in skills that you carry with you today? Absolutely. You know, grit and perseverance are two things that are easier said than done, um, but yeah. so important. And I mean, I, I would say that almost everybody graduating from medical school has some level of grit and perseverance, right? Sure. Med school, yeah, yeah, yeah. college, you know, pre-med, MCAT, you know, yeah. step one, step two, step three. I mean, there are constantly challenges ahead. And so right. I think as a default, you know, we're, we're already primed for that, but mm-hmm. carrying it forward, I think is, is so important. And you know, there really isn't this easy pathway, um, no matter what you choose, no matter what you do. I think that, um, you know, 
holding your own self accountable, um, whether it's for, you know, setting goals of, okay, I want to, you know, do this project or I want to, you know, present my data at this meeting. I think those are important goals, but more than anything, you have to be open-minded enough to look for opportunities, but also to create opportunities for yourself. You know, a lot of the, um, initial work that I did in, in the dry eye space, there just wasn't a lot in the literature. Um, right. And, you know, a lot, sometimes it just takes like, hey, let me just look through PubMed. Let me just see what um, what is out there. But also when you're in clinic, um, you know, I would see patients and say, I wonder if we've thought about this or, you know, and so mm-hmm. part of it is not just like, you know, boom, 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 I'm seeing patients, I'm doing things. You know, yeah. you need a little bit of creative time for yourself. Um, yeah. to allow yourself to think of ideas and to think of unmet needs um, and to believe in yourself that you can actually help to um, improve those unmet needs. Sure, sure. So it sounds like you're, you kind of, you always stayed curious or you and you kind of carry that lifelong learning aspect of it in your career and you still do today. So I think that's encouraging for all of us to keep in mind as we go forward to not always get buckled down in the application cycle or the interview cycle. Just kind of stay curious too, because in life, I feel like maybe that's kind of the key aspect of it. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering, you know, when you, when you train with someone like Dick Lindstrom, I'm sure you picked up so many pearls of, of wisdom that you carry with you today and, and you've probably had other mentors along the way. So what has probably been like some of the best mentorship advice that you've received and how do you carry that forward as a mentor for others when you talk to fellows or medical students or, or even residents? Yeah, I I think that the number one thing that I've picked up from my mentors along the way is um, creating your own like true voice and and Mm. being um, honest and and really just being yourself, which sounds so cheesy, right? Like, oh, be yourself. No, no, honestly, like along the way, you know, sometimes um, sometimes you feel pressure to you know do something or say something or you know um, conform to thought. And I think, mm-hmm. that, you know, all, all the mentors that I respect the most are ones that um, weren't afraid to think differently, um, sure. but were open-minded along the way. And, you know, not you're not going to be right every single time, but if you're open to thinking about things um, in a different way, um, I really think that that allows for this uh, transformation of creativity, but also, you know, collegiality, you know, so some of my, my you know, of course I have my, you know, my mentors from, from medical school, from residency, yeah. from fellowship, sure. but also, you know, I look at my peers as mentors as well. Um, you sure. know, you know, dial it back, not even just like, you know, research and things like that, but like life career, you know, um, you need to have people that you trust as a sounding board, you know, to say, right. Um, I've always believed that every three to five years, you should look at your career path, um, you know, whether in academics, private practice, doesn't matter, but um, Mm -hmm. reflect on, hey, are you happy? Are you doing, are you achieving the goals that you have set forth for yourself? Whatever those goals are, you know, Um, and if you're not doing those, that constant reevaluation, then, then I think that, you know, you're, you're probably missing the opportunity to um, and better yourself to improve something to change something you know sometimes we fear change irrationally sure. and um, yeah. when we have uh, peers colleagues mentors um, that we trust and value I think you know to me that that is a great pearl you know surround mm-hmm. yourself with people that you trust and value because sure. they will help you you know a career is not one or two years we're talking about decades and so yeah you know that you're never going to stay the same person 
<laughs> over the course of 30 or 40 years. And so, right. you know, you, you're going to have different needs and wants and um, surrounding yourself with people you trust, I think is just invaluable. That's awesome. Yeah, because I feel like if you're going to think outside the box, sometimes you, you maybe you, I feel like I know I've been, as a student, I've been scared to ask dumb questions or I'm afraid to look, be vulnerable and ask a question or something. But I feel like sometimes it's nice to have peers around you who are like, no, just ask it, go for it or, you know, do things like that. So maybe um, it touches on that a little bit. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's almost like as a student, it's hard to even think like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah. It, but, you don't even know how to think sometimes so yeah yes exactly or like hey is that okay that I'm thinking that but right right you know, as you go forward you know and, and I think just part of it's just gaining confidence and in, in sure the field and you know your choices but once once you're there I mean really as you you start a career I mean that is such an important part um, of the career process mm-hmm that's very fair. No, I, and, and I think it's a, it's a great thing to keep remembering going forward because I'm, I'm early on as a student, but, you know, we're looking for the, those pearls of advice to remember in the back of our head. Um, Dr. Gupta, just to finish up, what are things that excite you about Duke specifically and then also about ophthalmology and the future of ophthalmology? You know, the future of ophthalmology is just so bright. Um, I really, I say this so often, but I feel fortunate to be in a field that is constantly changing, you know, whether it's drug development, technology. Um, mm -hmm. And I really think it's because as ophthalmologists, you know, we're curious people and um, there's so many uh, entrepreneurial uh, people right. within ophthalmology that help to shape the space in such a positive direction. And I think that, you know, as we look um, forward, one of the things that I have just been pleasantly surprised with is that anyone can have an idea in ophthalmology. You know, you don't have sure. to have practiced for 50 years to have an idea. And it really is kind of a state of mind or a state of being. Um, and I have, you know, some colleagues and friends that are just like, you know, always have a notepad, always writing ideas down. Wow. Um, and then I have other colleagues that are like, hey, let me help you poke holes in these ideas. And then mm -hmm. I have other colleagues that are like, let's, let's bring this you know, across the finish line. And so, sure. you know, there is so much innovation um, that, you know, even for just us regular old clinicians, we benefit from all of the innovation and excitement within ophthalmology. And I think that's sort of like infectious energy, you know, you want to be a part of that. Yeah. And um, gosh, you know, ultimately, we're so lucky to be able to bring all that technology to patients and say, here, mm -hmm. we're going to improve your vision, you know, so Sure. You know, the future of ophthalmology is very bright with innovation, but it's also just so bright with that meaningful doctor-patient um, interaction. And, you know, mm -hmm. when I look at what motivates me most in my day, it's when I have a patient that's just, you know, regain their sight, super thankful, and, you know, you've changed their life. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I mean, I think we're all looking forward to the future to see what's going to be happening next and uh, to share, to see some of the things that you're looking forward to makes us excited as well. Dr. Gupta, it's been a pleasure to be with you. Uh, you know, when I reached out to you on Twitter via direct message, I was just hoping your response and you were so kind enough to respond to me and say you'd be glad to come on the show. So uh, I'm looking forward to maybe talking with you again sometime and uh, sharing your pearls of wisdom with everybody else. So thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and um, wishing all the students out there the best of luck as they continue to work hard and apply and um, shape their future. Yeah, we'll need it. So thank you very much. <laughs> Take care.
Thanks for listening to Honestly Bilal. You can find the video format of these interviews on the Honestly Bilal YouTube channel. For all the latest updates on chats with future guests, follow me on Twitter at Bilal underscore 1712 and on Instagram at Honestly Bilal. Thanks and chat with you soon.